Stone Cold Steve Austin knows that the opinions of your podcast exist in this world. Bite, sex act, crazy bite. No, bro, I can't drop out of the scene for 14 months and show up as a co-host. I'm a donkey show right in the middle of that. They always say to review IPAs last. The bitterness can destroy your palate for other beers. And opinions, opinions, and beer. Two guys and another guy will never happen again. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam with Opinions and Beer. I wanted to go ahead and make this quick little thing before the interview begins. So uh, the first two minutes of the interview were sadly unrecorded, and therefore uh, we we do not have the first two minutes. Um, uh, it was a technical difficult technical error that occurred, and so uh, what you missed in that first two minutes was. Michael Gross commenting on my outfit, saying he loved my outfit and said it was outrageous, an outrageous uh, look. <laughs> and uh, and then he said that his favorite beer, I told him about the beer of the day, was ingenious, peanut butter versus jelly. And he told me that his favorite beer is a Bulgarian beer. So because that is no longer there, I'm going to go ahead and do a quick uh, read of a opening scene of Trimmers 8, a potential Trimmers 8. Here is the opening scene, Trimmers 8. And then after this opening scene that I read, it'll be the interview with Michael Gross. Film opens. It's nearly sundown in the Nevada desert. A military jeep, truck, whatever, zooms through. A bunch of trash and paper fly into the air. With them, the camera follows one of the papers as it hits a boulder on the side of a mountain wall. The paper is a page from a newspaper saying, Where is El Blanco? El, El Blanco, not seen in over five years. Cut back to the Jeep. It comes to a halt. We see multiple pair of boots get out. Lights, flashlights. There we go. We see a hand with an EMF meter. The EMF meter individual walks up to the side of a mountain and is scanning the mountain wall. The EMF meter starts beeping. And then faster. Now it's going crazy. One of the individuals feels around the mountain wall and finds an indention. They press into the indention and it opens a key card panel. One of them calls for the key. They reach into their bag and pull out a blood-stained key card. They swipe the card, and the mountain wall begins to rattle and move. An opening soon appears. The crew walk inside, and it's a massive research lab. One of them removes their tactical mask. We've got a lot of work to do. Trevor's eight, perfection paradise, seven years later. Whoa! Crazy stuff. Now, please enjoy my interview with Michael Gross. The, the credit begins and ends with the writers. I'm merely an interpreter. Um, that being said, Michael J. Fox was a wonderful, wonderful talent. He was a young man at the time. Meredith Baxter, extraordinary. Uh, Justine Bateman and Tina Yothers. Um, perfect, perfectly cast. It was The chemistry was was marvelous. And uh, I have absolutely, I'll talk about that show anytime. It was to me, uh, sitcom history. And, and, and you know what I remember that what I love the most about it, as I look back on it now is the way people settled their differences. Remember we were on very different sides of the aisle at that point. 
conservative kid, Michael J. Fox, carrying his attache case, William, a, a photo of a poster of William Buckley, uh, the arch conservative on his wall, um, and liberal parents. But the things that held us together were far stronger than the things that pulled us apart. And we were able to joke about conservatism and activism. And, uh, you know, they would kid us about tofu and we would kid, you know, it, it was just uh, different. I wish we could settle our differences as, as uh, in the same way today. And I, I would hope that, uh, that all people in Congress will, would go back and watch Family Ties now and again and see how easy it is to get along. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> uh, uh, one of my favorite episodes was the, um, the Tom Hanks episode. That was, a, that was great. And that, but even though it attacks, attacks me, alcoholics. Yeah, Tom Hanks was like filming that. Well, you know, we had a, a lot of great, you know, G, uh, Gina Davis was on the show before oh, yeah. she, you know, those days, uh, Tom, Tom Hanks, uh, yeah, that, I remember that show well. So uh, so alcoholic that he would, he had to sneak into the Keaton kitchen and and drink a vanilla extract at night. Exactly. Yeah, no, it was um, we tackled some some important issues. I mean, uh, in in the seven years we were there, very important issues, and yet always with this great blend of comedy. Um, never lost sight of the fact that we were a sitcom. So. Um, I have nothing but praise for that show and the people who wrote it. That is, do you feel like that might be missing nowadays in shows? Cause I feel like a lot of shows, your show, even the older Roseanne episodes, or even the, uh, what's the, what's the three blondes, the three blonde lady show, golden girls, even oh, golden like, girls. Yeah. Yeah. Golden girls. Like, I feel like there's a, all those shows used to tackle things very well and very positively, you know, it, it actually taught you something where newer shows don't really, I feel like they don't really grasp that concept. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not the best one to ask, to be quite honest with you. I, I don't watch as much television as I used to. Okay. Among other things, you know, there's so much streaming out there and stuff like that. And I get hooked into some, right now we're watching some, some French thing with subtitles. We've been, we've been binge watching this, this thing that was made in France and that is a beautifully written show. And so I, I, I miss a lot. There are hundreds of things. When we began Family Ties in 1982, count them, there were three channels, ABC, CBS, and NBC. Fox came along a year or two later. Four channels. These were the choices. Now there are hundreds. I can't keep track of everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's what that's what's gonna happen. You're just gonna muddy the waters with too much. It's too much content. It's great. It's fun. It's fun for the viewer to have all this content available, but then you muddy the waters with things that just aren't. They don't. Uh, they don't measure up to things that used to. Well, I think I think that's true. And the, the thing that we're missing too is the way every people used to watch things together. So yeah. families, they brought families together because you'd say, okay, we're going to watch Family Ties or we're going to watch Cheers. We're going to watch The Cosby Show, whatever it was. And you'd all, so you had something in common. Now there's a kind of, for lack of a better word, uh, balkanization of media where you can go watch your thing on your device. You can go watch your thing on your device and you don't, you don't have that commonality. And that was something I think with all these choices that's been lost as well. Yeah. Now I don't drink uh, vanilla extract, uh, maybe peppermint extract here and there, but <laughs> I'm not there yet. <laughs> it's a progression. Yeah, yeah. It's a progression. Uh, now, soon after the show, you find yourself filming Tremors as the character Burt Gummer alongside yeah. the film, alongside with the film debut of country singer Reba McIntyre. You're the husband. Uh, you're essentially a doomsday prepper couple. 
Uh, the leads would end up being Kevin Bacon, fresh off Footloose, and Fred, Wer- uh, Fred Ward. Uh, what was the filming of the first Tremors like? And uh, did you have but- any idea how far and how long you'd be doing, you'd be playing this character? No, no, no. I'm a fa- like a lot of actors, I'm a fatalist. Uh, I'm just, I'm simply assuming that once I open my mouth, they're going to be sorry they cast me. And it's been a mistake. And this is going to be the last job I ever have if they keep me. So uh, I had no idea. All I know is I was thrilled as could be to be there because after seven years of playing this wonderful liberal, uh, you know, touchy feely dad, here was this paranoid, uh, obsessive, compulsive <laughs> doomsday prepper yeah. right wing, uh, with a cache of weapons in his secret underground uh, uh, compound. And um, beyond my, I was just happy to be there because it was so different. And of course, thrilled to be working with somebody like Kevin and Reba, who I adored, and um, Fred Ward. It's just a wonderful, wonderful cast, wonderful ensemble. So I was thrilled, never had any idea it would last this long. I thought it was a one-off. And people discovered it in the aftermarket video. That's where it really started happening yeah. in those old days of VHS copies when they passed it pass it uh, among friends pass it amongst each other, like a secret, uh, a secret passion and said, here's my you know, dirty little secret. I watched this, found this weird, quirky little horror film. And, and it, 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 it caught on and it, it never said goodbye. Here we are in the seventh installment. And I'm absolutely thrilled because I think playing this character yeah. is comic, comic gold. He's so much fun because he's comedies about extremes. Right. And this guy's, extreme to the max you know the way he deals with life (laughs) so there was no uh there was no oh boy giant worms what did my agent get me into no it's precisely what i wanted (laughs) (laughs) because the character was so different and uh i i grew up on on monster movies when i was a kid and this in a funny way reminded me the 40s and 50s monster movies because they weren't slasher movies they weren't people killing other people the bad guys were the monsters. The good guys were the human beings. It was very simple. You know, it was, again, a kind of family friendly kind of thing. And my character, who never met a gun he didn't love, never turns his gun on another human being in all seven of these films. So, again, I talk to people who say, I, wa- I grew up watching this with my dad. Now my own- I'm watching it with my kids. Yeah. And we still find it, maybe uh, as- aside from a little offensive language here and there, very family friendly because it's about people banding together to uh, defeat a common enemy. You know, it's great. And we don't kill each other. We kill the monsters. Yeah. My, uh, I, I was watching the whole series. I, I rewatched the entire series, the TV show, everything. I watched the whole thing with my uh, five-year-old son. He loved it. He's like, we're going to watch the next one. <laughs> we're going to watch the next one. So oh, was, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun, uh, fun family stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, besides some uh, blood and guts here and there. But he, blood, blood, <laughs> blood and guts are okay as long as they're not human blood and guts <laughs> yeah i guess so i guess so uh you know the, there's a lot of there's a lot of points in that first film where your character could have been killed off was that ever like a possibility of like because you know a lot of horror and i know it's horror comedy and that maybe that's what their that that line is but i mean usually a lot of horror films you have like the one male and the one female would always live there's two people but right. in, in Tremors, there's a whole group of you, and just like you happen to be a part of that group that survive. With the with the exception of one or two characters, most of the people in that town survive Tremors one. Yes. yes. 
And we returned to in, in Tremors three, something called back to perfection yeah. where I was in fact swallowed by one of these creatures and then uh, underground. And then some, someone dug me out of the creature and cut the creature open with a chainsaw. Yes. And I emerged, you know, <laughs> like, uh, like Lazarus from the grave uh, <laughs> to, uh, to be in, you know, to, to be in the, in the other sequel. So I, I've been one of the lucky ones. Let's just put it that way. Well, when was that decision made to like start making sequels? Like, and how do they know that you were going to be become one of the forefront characters? Well, I can I can tell you this. First of all, you, the last part of your question, the forefront character happened because everybody else dropped away. It's that simple. It's not like I wanted to be the center of attention. I always thought he was a great character on the fringes, uh, surrounded by normal human beings, but. Kevin left after the first film. Fred Ward left after the second film. Reba did none of the others. And so I'm the last man standing. And whenever somebody would come to me and say, look, would you like to play Burt Gummer again? I was like, of course I do. The comedy possibilities are so great with this guy. I can't say no. So I, I guess I was, Michael Gross was as much as a survivalist as was Burt Gummer. Uh, <laughs> Uh, everybody else dropped away, and 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 so I floated to the top. And uh, so, but it was my it wasn't my intention. It was just pure dumb luck, I guess. And the fact that people kind of fell in love with this character, I think he has a great heart underneath that crusty exterior. Because <laughs> as 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 impatient as he is with the idiots who don't listen to them, the fools that pay him no attention when he warns about the things they should avoid. By God, he'll say, you're an idiot, you're a fool, you didn't listen, you're incompetent, but by God, I'm going to save your ass. You know? So yeah. that to me is great. He's like, I'm not going to let you die, you're an idiot, but I'm going to save your ass. And I, I love that about the guy. He keeps coming out of retirement to save other people because he, frankly, because he doesn't think anybody else could do it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, so... Uh... So what happened? What, what happened with Kevin Bacon? You know, I, I, there was rumors that he was going to be in the second one. He dropped out while y'all were shooting. I don't I don't know the full story. Oh, OK, but uh, uh, but uh, it was my understanding. To, this is just rumor. I don't presume to speak for Kevin. Right. Okay. Uh, and, and that that the the, the the film was was considered a kind of failure at the box office. Okay. It really didn't take off until the after video market. And I think Kevin felt. God, I was the leading guy in a failure. Do I really want to do a second one? You I know, guess. you know, uh, I guess because so. it did, it made money theatrically, but it was not this howling success to my, to my chagrin. I wish it had been because it could have been really my breaking bad moment for everybody yeah. to see me in <laughs> wide range to say, Oh my God, it's so different from Stephen Keaton. So it's had, I'm not complaining, believe you. No. Here I am, here I am 30 years later, still playing a wonderful character. But it would have been a vastly different thing had, you know, Kevin decided to come back for a sequel in Tremors 2 or 3, you know, all that sort of thing. And instead, but no complaints from me. I would wish nothing more than to have Kevin, Reba, Fred Ward, these marvelous people together in the same film again, believe you me. I mean, it would have been my greatest wish. Yeah. Um, moving on to the... Uh, you Y'all did film the TV series. Y'all had like, a, what was that, 18 episodes, something like that, 15, 16 episodes? Probably, probably, a, probably a little less, but I don't remember. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe, maybe uh, that, right? But anyway, but it was not a great, it was not a great marriage, unfortunately. It was with a great marriage. No, unfortunately, um, uh, the, sci the, the producers 
And the Sci-Fi Channel had very different ideas of the concept. Um. In some ways, we wanted to settle in with those people in the town of Perfection, Nevada, those quirky human beings, and follow their lives a little more, develop the characters a little more. And in some ways, what with the Sci-Fi Channel, it, it's a whole different Sci-Fi Channel right now. It's run by a wholly, completely different group of people. The Sci-Fi Channel wanted a different monster every week. And it was like, we'd like to kind of get to know these characters a little bit. And it was all about monsters, monsters, monsters. And seriously, we as, as characters and producers were talking about what is it like for, for Bert to go online to try to find another woman and things like that. <laughs> you know, we, wanted, we wanted more personal things happening in yeah. our lives, along with the monster hunting, yeah. living, living alongside this, this graboid called El Blanco, who was a protected species yeah. at that time. And uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it, it, it was different concepts. And they, I think ultimately the original writers on Tremors and the, the, the Sci-Fi channel, they were not getting along. And, to, to, I, and I'm sorry about it because it would have been a lot of fun because this character- yeah, And, and I, I, yeah. I, hold the, I hold the show in high regard. It's actually, even, even among the, the films, I felt like the TV series was fun. I got, I, I felt like I got to know the characters. I really, I really enjoyed like what, what y'all were able to do with all the wacky people that showed up and that, uh, that annoying dude that he just shows up randomly like, Hey guys, I want to help you out. They're like, get out of here. There's killing yeah. uh, flowers, p- killing people. <laughs> <laughs> and there were some great people on that. If you, uh, uh, um, um, Christopher uh, Lloyd was in there for Christopher it. Lloyd. I love my work with Christopher. Came back a time or two. Oh, he's a wonderful man and a wonderful actor. And we've 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 shared the same stage together as well on occasion. And he's just wonderful. And Sarah Rafferty from Suits. I don't know if you ever watched Suits, but Sarah, the, the the redheaded yes. uh, lady on Suits. I uh, forget her name. A character in Suits. Uh, she was um, she appeared a time or two, and just some great people came through. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah. So I just, you know, yeah, yeah, good memories, but it just, there were, there was a lot of screaming and shouting, uh, in, was. in the writing. I, I remember that. People, uh, were not, people were not getting along because they had completely different ideas and it would, and per, there were personality clashes. I, I was on the set and so was not witness to them, but oh. I, I heard the stories. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, I don't know. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say that. I don't know if y'all, y'all knew about some of like the, cause I, I what I hated about what the sci-fi channel did was they, they started releasing the, the episodes out of order. And that's, like, right. you know, that's exactly right. So it was, it was, it was hard to understand. Exactly. And yeah. when, when I watched it, cause I, cause it's, they, y'all have the entire series on the trimmers YouTube channel. And so I went back and watched it in order. And I'm like, all these these episodes make sense now. I thought they were just doing random episodes here and there, but no, it's actually a continue. I knew those writers write continuous stories. They don't just do random stuff. I think those that's what I really loved about the uh, the older writers. I felt like they were really good at continuing the story and like making everything flow really well. Uh, uh, you know the the I don't have a preference for stage screen small screen big screen it's the writing that makes it good for me the subject matter what is on that page i have the greatest respect for the writers and to this day i credit ss wilson steve wilson and brent maddock for creating the character of burt gummer yeah. uh, other writers have taken over in their absence other uh, this wonderful director don michael paul uh, who did this latest uh, five six and seven uh, Brian Brightley, who wrote Seven, they've all stepped in. But Bert began with Steve Wilson, Brent Maddock, 
Ron Underwood, the original director, who later read it, went on to write to direct City Slickers. You may know that. He's Ron's a wonderful guy. I, it begins with him. Yeah. I didn't create this character. I just encompass the the beautiful things that they began to write. And so uh, I've become a kind of, in their absence now, I feel myself a kind of defender of the series, if you will, an advocate of Bert, because new writers have come on. And I usually, as I've become a greater part of this and really for better or worse, the old man in the, in the series, um, metaphorically and actually, um, I've become a, a, an advocate for Bert and a defender of Bert and say, no, Bert wouldn't say it that way. Or yeah. well, let's get this, let's get this right. Let's polish this because that you haven't, we haven't quite got Bert's voice yet. And so I wind up doing some of Bert's uh, dialogue in conjunction with others and also trying to follow his emotional, uh, his emotional life through the piece, which is important to me. Monster hunting is fun, but I, but to me, the inner monsters of everybody are far more interesting, right? Oh, yeah. You know, the, the, the hurdles we face in our own lives and in five, six and seven, we've tried to do that. And five, here comes Jamie Kennedy saying to this man who's a complete misanthrope who wants nothing, what nothing to do with other human beings. And in walks somebody who says, hi, you don't know me, but I'm your son. Like, Whoa, what? You know, <laughs> you, you are my closest relationship and I'm going to build a relationship with you. It's like, he just wants to run from that in tremor six. We dealt with Bert dealing with his own mortality. Yeah. Infected with graboid venom. What would life be like without, without a Bert Gummer? He has to, de- does he pass the reins on to somebody else? And in seven, if you haven't seen it yet, this is not a great, I'm not spoiling too much just to say there's a female in here who basically calls Bert to account for his entire lifestyle. Basically saying, is this, is this solitary thing really working for you? This go it alone thing? And she basically, like any woman will do to any man, you know this, is say, you're full of crap. You're full of crap. Something a man wouldn't say to Bert Gummer, but only a woman would say, yeah. have, the, have, the, have the guts to say, you know, man, <laughs> you're full it's all wrong. You've made all the wrong turns. You're full of crap. A guys wouldn't say that to Bert, but a woman is like, whoa, what? <laughs> so another, so we keep, I love knocking Bert off his, off his pins, off his place of comfort, not just with the monsters, but internally. It's like he has to, it's like, whoa, what are you telling me here? So, you know, the personal battles as well as the monster battles are always fun for me. Yeah. We've also got some great people in this. Do you know Richard Brake from uh, Game of Thrones? Yes. He plays a, he plays my nemesis in this one. He's, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> he's the bad guy in this thing. Richard is so wonderful. Uh, and John Heater, who plays my sidekick from oh, Napoleon yeah. Dynamite. Heck yeah. Oh, John is the best. John's the best. So, I mean, we've got some great, some great, com- we've got a great comic team as well. So yes, these things will really eat you, but you can laugh. Uh, you can laugh while you're being eaten. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you know, yeah, something, something is great about these characters. Something's amazing. That's why, you know, Trimmers, that first episode on that, on the, on the show is still the number one watched show on sci-fi that first that day it was the debut episode was still the number one episode ever for this uh sci-fi channel so oh, i think that's pretty uh, i didn't cool. know that i didn't know that you didn't know that no. yeah it's, it's still to this day because i think they had that it was the highest the highest viewership for any debut show and it's still it's yet to be beat wow okay well <laughs> I, I, I so wish- now you now you now you make me wish we had stuck with it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Well, they like you said, there was a lot of weird stuff in the background, and, the, and then the Farscape more. fans were mad because apparently Farscape got canceled around the same time, and so they were like advocating for it to be canceled. And 
it was a bunch of weird stuff that happened with that. But uh, <laughs> did you know that Burt Gummer is also running for president? I should tell yes. you. Yes. And it's a bummer if you don't vote for Gummer. <laughs> Absolutely. Gummertarians unite. Um, <laughs> this was an idea we had when we were filming. Uh, over the years, fans have said, man, I wish Burt Gummer were the president. I'd vote for Burt. And we said, wait a minute, this is an election year. We're coming out in an election year, weeks before a national election, we should have Bert run for president. So we started writing these things. We have eight of them, four or five of them are out now. I think at least four of the episodes. We have eight episodes. And so Bert is the write-in candidate. I told my wife, get that inauguration ball gown ready, you know? <laughs> this could happen. This could happen. Hey, it might. I mean, we got the Mighty Ducks. We have the Mighty Ducks kid running for president. And we have Kanye West running for president. If Kanye beats me, I'm going to be really <laughs> I'm telling you right now. But I refuse, I refuse to. If Kanye West gets more votes than me, I will not concede for the next four years. I'm going to continue running for president. Woo! Go there. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> no concession uh, for this guy. That's funny. Um so uh <laughs> well what's 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 that's, on, the, that's on YouTube in case people don't know. Yeah, I will yeah, go, go check out on YouTube his, uh, his promotional videos for for vote uh vote for Gummer. <laughs> vote for Gummer. Uh I voted for Gummer. I vote I, I don't have my I don't have my I vote sticker, but I, I wrote you in. So <laughs> Gummer 2020, go for it. <laughs> uh so what was the um what was the biggest difference between the original creative team and the current team that uh has come in since Trimmers Five? Uh that's a that's a good one. There was a 13-year hiatus between Tremors Four and Tremors Five. And again, you know, this is it, the, the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, Universal Home Entertainment decided they'd had enough. The, after four, it's like, nah, we don't want to do anymore. We're finished. We loved it. It's good, but it's over. And I thought, okay, four is a good place to stop. We've made our little quartet. That works. 13 years after that, there was a wonderful woman, a producer who was there at the beginning was still at Universal, a woman named Patty Jackson. I just got, I was just on the phone with her uh, yesterday who said, who said, that, look, who called me after 13 years and said, we're going to do another Tremors. I said, what? She said, well, I've been trying to convince people for 13 years and now the people at the top have changed and they're open to it and we're going to restart the franchise. And I said, whoa, I can't believe this. I thought it was over. So that was, that was the beginning of Tremors 5. And Patty was just the most wonderful thing. She, she, that was Tremors five. She has since left, turned, turned over Tremors six and seven to somebody else named Cher Stalling. You, Cher Stallings. You, it might surprise you to know that this crazy thing is now being run by some wonderfully crazy warped females. <laughs> these are not these. These action adventure films are being produced by some incredibly wonderful, wacky uh, women who love, <laughs> love the franchise. And it's like, yeah, yeah, go for it. So um, uh, Cher uh, did the last two, five, uh, six and seven, and uh, they've just been wonderful. But what changed the most is we realized we had to find a different slightly different take. It had been 13 years. People were used to social media, a di slightly different generation. Yeah. And so um, they brought in a, a, a new writers. Uh, frankly, for whatever reason, the old writers 
I don't know the full story, but they didn't have quite the control they wanted to. The, the original people from Tremors 1 through 4, who I absolutely loved, again, Steve, Brent, uh, Ron Underwood, they backed away. They brought in new people. And I must say, I've been extremely happy with our the director of 5, 6, and 7, Don Michael Paul, who came in and has done all of these, came in with fresh ideas. Again, a good sense of comedy, uh, 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 action adventure. Uh, and it was a kind of reinvention in some ways. It's, I think probably the biggest difference for me is Bert has more internal conflict. That is to say, he was kind of basically a, a standard monster hunter. And in five, six, and seven, Something I've always wanted to do and we didn't get a chance to do on the series is have Bert uh, deal with some of his own emotional hurdles, put him in places where he's emotionally uncomfortable as well as uncomfortable with the monsters themselves. Yeah. So um, so that's probably the biggest difference. Uh, and very different locales. Most of these have been in the desert southwest. So five was in Africa. Oh, yeah. Six was in um, the Arctic. And seven is in the Solomon Islands in the, in the South Pacific. And... Uh, have you seen it yet? I'm just curious. Yes, I have seen the movie oh. three times already. Seriously? Yes. Wow. Wow. Okay. I should tell you, I actually eat a grub in that first scene, and that is my actual beard. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. uh, I knew, we, we, we knew we were going to be filming in Thailand. I knew there was heat. I knew there was humidity. So I thought, I don't want to deal with fake hair and, and, and glue. It's just going to be peeling off oh, yeah. constantly. So... Um, I, uh, I, uh, I grew a beard months in advance, which we, we was really comfortable to have and just, you know, but it was, it was, so, it was so unkempt that it, for, for months before I went out to Thailand to do this, I'd walk into a, I mean, I, it was so kind of grisly and everything. I'd walk into a restaurant and people would say, I'm sorry, sir. The washrooms are for customers only <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> that kind of thing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like I should be pushing a shopping cart seriously. Oh, no. So, um, you know, it was uh, pretty unkempt and my dear, patient, wonderful wife of, uh, of 35, 30 plus years had to look at that scruggly, awful looking face across the breakfast table every morning for months. And she was, she's, she's glad it's gone. She's glad the mustache is gone. She likes a clean face. So <laughs> I saved the marriage by shaving. <laughs> You're right. Um, uh, so yeah, you trimmers, trimmer seven, Streaker Island. Uh, there's no, there's no Jamie Kennedy in this one. Is was, that's just some uh, behind the scenes stuff? He just couldn't make it. Was was that's, John the, that's behind? The, that, my understanding is there, there was a first draft with Jamie in it. Uh, uh, my understanding was an offer was made, and for some reason. Um, uh, Jamie decided he, he, he didn't want to be a part of it. I, I don't, again, I don't presume to speak for Jamie. I don't want to yeah. get this wrong. Yeah. I, I did two films with Jamie, the th was ready to do a third yeah. and something happened and I'm not privy to all the details. Some things I, we, I, I'm better off not knowing. I don't want to, yeah. I don't know. It's not my business. Yeah. And, um, uh, as a matter of fact, on Tremors, I think it was Tremors six. Tremors six, I was it just it's it, I am a strange guy. I, I was a producer on Tremor Six right up until we started filming, and I called called back, called my agents. I said, I want you to re renegotiate. He said, What? I said, 
He said, what do you want now? And, and the Universal said, what, what more does he want? And I said, no, actually, I want less. Take my producer credit away. It was like, what? And I said, you know, I don't want to worry about all these other problems. I just want to show up, play Bert, learn my lines, hit my marks, and not worry. I don't want people coming to me with my problems. I, a producer to me was just a, an ego thing. I don't, I mean, yes, I participated in the making of it. Yeah. And the dialogue and the storyline and all that. But I said, I'm an actor. I want to show up, do my work, keep it simple, keep it simple. So he said, you're the first person we've ever known who renegotiated to have his name taken off as a producer credit. (laughs) 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 Most people want want more, you want less. I said, well, yeah, I'm a minimalist. Call me. (laughs) It was just too stressful. I I just want to worry about my lines. Yeah, I just want to come make a damn Tremors movie. God, how do do I look? Is my how's my costume? How's my (laughs) name? I don't want to know about anybody Uh, else's problems. But it's crazy that you so uh, was so was John Heater always a part of the original script, or did they they have to factor him in where Jamie Kennedy was? When when, the, the character of Jamie was removed when that didn't work out. And then they had a kind of sidekick, uh, you know, oh, okay. this, this new guy coming in and, uh, and uh, the offer was just made, made, I don't think John had to, you know, he had a good reputation, uh, oh, yeah. comedy and good old Napoleon dynamite and all that other sort of thing. And the offer was made to him. And when I heard, uh, when I heard he was doing this, I was absolutely thrilled. Hey, and- yeah, it's awesome. It's, it, I, I love the men and I loved, I loved y'all's too. I feel like in, in this, in this one, that you and John Heater actually had somewhat of a better chemistry than you and Jamie Kennedy in the last two. Well, maybe because, you know, Jamie, you know, Bert has an edge. Jamie has an edge too. just, you know, Jamie being Jamie. And so in sense, John Heater is, I don't know, maybe a little more innocent, a little got more guileless. And, you know, he doesn't have quite that edge. He's just this goofy guy. And, uh, and so maybe that's, maybe that's part of it because we are, perhaps more opposite, you know, you know, as opposed to both of us being kind of gritty and edgy. Um, But, uh, but I loved working with Jamie and uh, again, was ready to work with him again. And I don't know, I don't know what happened, but that's showbiz. That's showbiz. showbiz. You've you've seen, you've seen the film. Thank you for not spoiling it. And I will say people ask me from time to time, Oh, there's no way there's going to be a sequel. And I say, well, sales drive sequels. Yes. If this does well, uh, I have a feeling Universal Home Entertainment is going to say, okay, it's time for another Tremors. It's it's that simple. You know, show business, you're a part of it. Show is five. Show business five percent show and ninety five percent business. If if this sells, if it gets the uh, the excitement and the sales they want there will probably be a sequel because they, they don't want to turn down the money. What was, uh, what was some of your best moments working on this latest Tremors movie? Well, Oh, I don't know. It's always behind the scenes stuff. That's, that's, that's fun just because it was a nice, a lovely cast. Um, uh, 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 John was a sweetheart. Yeah. Uh, Jackie Cruz, uh, the singer and actress who was on Orange is the New Black, uh, played in this. Uh, um, uh, Richard Brake, you know, from Game of Thrones, my nemesis in this piece. Uh, really scary, scary dude. I don't mean 
I don't mean off stage, I mean, you know, on screen and uh, who I loved working with. Uh, another top guy like Chris, Chris Lloyd, you know, just really committed and really intense. Um, who else? Uh, great, great times together off the set. Uh, J J Jackie Cruz particularly tickled me because uh, she was, she's a total animal lover. So she, uh, oh my God, poor Jackie. She would always, uh, uh, we had, you know, lots of animals running around, monkeys and stuff like this and uh, other animals on screen. Uh, I think we had elephants at one point, <laughs> all this sort of stuff. And uh, Jackie always, always wanted to play with the animals. If there was animal around, birds, monkeys. Half the time while we were rehearsing, Jackie would have monkey on her shoulder and we'd have to say Jackie we have to film put the monkey down put the monkey down so we can film and poor Jackie actually got scratched or bitten once and had to get rabies shots while she was on the set because they were afraid of that but she was she was like Dr. Doolittle all the time with this with these things John and I had John and I had great great times uh there's uh well, this is not a great moment, but I'll be honest with you. I, I hurt myself pretty badly on this thing. I tore my rotator cuff Jeez. doing doing one of the stunts. Um, and uh, it was a stunt where you say, well, why don't you have a stunt guy? Can't you pay him? No, it was one of those things where my face had to be on, on camera. They couldn't substitute somebody else. It was not shot from behind me. It was shot right at me. And it was a fall through the camera in slow motion. And I had to land on something. And on one of those landings, I just tweaked something. And I thought, damn, you've done something bad to yourself. You've just done something really bad. And I had to do more takes. And I had to do um, two more weeks of this filming with a torn rotator cuff and with machetes and all that sort of stuff. Oh, man, it killed me. After we, after the, uh, so that was tough. I existed on the last two weeks with muscle relaxants and a lot of painkillers liniment and stuff like that. But what I really needed was surgery. I finally got that and I'm still doing physical therapy now to get the full use of my shoulder back. Jeez. But I've hurt, I've, hurt, I've hurt myself in other one of these things. I blew out a knee, I think in Tremors, Tremors 2 or 3. Uh, I, uh, I, uh, I, I've broken ribs, you know, just certain falls and things like that. So uh, I keep thinking of new and inventive ways to hurt myself. You should become a professional wrestler with that background. Man, I don't want I don't want that pain. <laughs> I would be dressing like you, though. I would be yeah. dressing like you. <laughs> uh, yeah, 30. You've been playing this character for 30 years. Uh, it's the same time. It's the same amount of time as Undertaker's been playing. So you, you've been you've been in people's livelihood. You've been in their childhood. You know, you've grown up with people. And now we hear... Trimmer 7, it's everywhere. Netflix. Uh, I want to get into some uh, spoiler talks in a second. So if you haven't seen the movie, uh, uh, go see the movie. Pause this. Exit out. Come back. Yeah. Leave the room. Because <laughs> I want to uh, chat a little bit about the spoilers. Uh, so you have five seconds to exit out. Five, four, three, two. Oh, my God. Burt Gummer dies. He was eaten. Why you let him do it? You did it. You told them to let him do it. I'm so mad. Okay, not my idea. Okay. okay. Um, uh, this was this was discussed. Uh, this was discussed in one of our before we started shooting, in one of our uh, last drafts of the screenplay, and they said, "How would you feel if 
this is the last film for Bert. If, and I said, well, to be honest with you, many years ago, I thought the fourth one was gonna be the last one. So the fact that we've made seven, three more is icing on the cake. And I said, I don't know, I, I would miss this, but on the other hand, I'm getting older. Seven might be a good place to stop. Even then though, on location, the ending was shot two different ways, with Bert surviving and with Bert not surviving. They still, up until we're on the set, we weren't sure what was gonna happen. It was only later, I should say, so they did this kind of a memorial service for Bert. And they also were doing a memorial service where Bert climbs up over the cliff in the middle of the memorial service and looks at all of them and says, geez, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> you know, he's, he's totally pissed off at them for uh, even assuming that he would be killed. You know? <laughs> so um, we shot it two ways yeah. and it was only uh, this year while they're in, we finished the film in December, 2019. And there's only sometime in the spring, they came to me while they were in the editing room and said, wow, it really seems dramatic. It really seems dramatic if he doesn't make it. It's like this moment where we're going to get tears from people. It's so high, so high drama. They said, we'd really like to do it that way. And I said, look, it's not up to me. I can live with it either way. That's fine. With this exception, we never see a corpse. We never see his remains. So for all we know, he's survived being eaten once. It could happen again. Maybe he's banged up and wandered away in a daze. Maybe he's in, buried somewhere in a coma. We don't know. So we've, in a way, because we never see Bert Gummer's remains, they're assuming he's dead. But we've left the door open for a sequel. That's intense. Yeah. Fun stuff. It's crazy. It's just so crazy. I was just watching yeah. it whenever, like, you're, you you jump up and you're flipping off the <laughs> you're flipping off the graboid, and it looks like it looks like he eats you, and then you yeah. get impaled and then explode. So he eats you, impaled, explode. <laughs> if you survive that, you are <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, that, I'll probably be walking on water in Trevor. That's right. <laughs> The opening so, scene of Trimmer's Eight, Bert so Gummer walking on water. <laughs> so let's just say the door is open there and uh, sales drive sequels. Yeah. And uh, I've already thought of, I've already thought of two beginnings, uh, two ways to begin Tremors Eight. If they, if they're going to get to that, seriously, I've already, I have two ideas for how Tremors Eight begins. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> for all I but some of this is out of my some of this yeah. is out of my control it has a lot to do with universal with what universal home entertainment wants to do they make these decisions ultimately it's not my baby i'm just an, an, another employee with a strong voice yes but the decision is not mine um no and we, we, do, invite, a, uh, we do a silly we invite people back in the room huh? can we invite people back into the room again yes are we finished with the spoilers? Yes, we are. <laughs> We're finished with the spoilers. Uh, everyone can come back in, wherever you, <laughs> wherever you are. Uh, come back, listen to the rest of the episode. <laughs> um, uh, now, we do, we do a segment here on the show uh, where we kind of do uh, like these pitches, right? We just, we did, we just did it with um, John Heater on the uh, – <laughs> we, we just had John Heater on the show uh, last oh, week. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, and so uh, we do this little pitch thing, and so – 
I would like to pitch to you and you have to get, you can give it a rating A to A to F, you know, a, a grade. It's like, give it a grade of the pitch for Tremors eight. Are you, is that okay? You're going to give it, you're going to give me the pitch. I'm going to give you the pitch for Tremors eight and you got to give it a, a rate. Yeah. Grade. If you will. All right. You're right. All right. Okay. Give, give something. Uh, nothing has been, nothing has been seen in perfection for years. So the government has undeclared Perfection Valley a protected space. Melvin Pug and Grady Hoover have since made a partnership and have decided to build a new getaway, complete with a uh, small or well, cheap-ass water park, <laughs> a tropical man-made beach, and in uh, uh, like very like a very tropical setting in Perfection Valley, now known as Perfection Paradise. This suburban area is, uh, is, <laughs> is equipped with a sheriff and a deputy, Sheriff Stone Cold Steve Austin and Deputy Michael Jai White. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, uh, they, became, they, they soon become in over their heads after local teens accident, accidentally let mixed master experiments loose and soon must enlist the help of the one and only Burt Gummer, who seems to be mysteriously bound to a machine gun toting super speed wheelchair. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. <laughs> all right. I'll give, first of all, I'm going to give you an A because I love going back to perfection. People keep wanting us to go back to that town. And we've only, we've only touched on that town to, to some small degree. So I love the idea of perfection. Absolutely. I'm with you on that one. Uh, Jamie and I were back there briefly in Tremors 5, was it? or six? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, oh, no, 6. Uh, yes, yeah, 6. Uh, so we were there in the, in the, in the store, uh, Chang's market. And, um, uh, I love the idea of uh, a wheelchair bound bird. I've, I've often said to people, uh, he, he, I could easily see Bert in a tricked out wheelchair with uh, <laughs> rocket launchers on the side. Yes. And he's just like, you know, he's just like pumping it. He leaves an oil, he leaves an oil slick behind. Exactly. Like, I just want to, like I want to see him like car. rolling. I want to see him rolling across the desert and a grab boy chasing him. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. With a jetpack, jetpack wheelchair. So, because oh, yeah. my, so my biggest my biggest issue with the ending with seven is that there's I feel like there's a whole story left in perfection that I I I did not notice get tied up. I want to see I want to see El Blanco story get tied up. I want to see the mix master story get tied up, and I want that whole thing to kind of come to a head. And so I thought the idea of like they haven't been seen in a while, the government undeclared it. You know what's going on? You find out that there's like this. They're like basically you let you let you let Burt Gummer finally find the 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 mountain hideout of the mix master because he never got to find it in the series it's just somewhere out there and so i feel like it'd be cool to like tie up all the loose ends that were left uh throughout the series as a whole well, and, you and also bring in some I, you know you've never really seen big action stars so that's why i kind of like uh stone cold steve austin and michael jai white they've done uh they do they do a handful of uh, action stars. and michael jai white does a lot of comedy and so i think he uh <laughs> they'd be a great i think i feel like they'd be a great counter to like they're, they're like these big jacked up dudes but they're having to turn to help this survivalist guy in a wheelchair. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. You're not the only one who wants to see El Blanco too. I've heard that a lot. Oh yeah. Where's El Blanco? When are we coming back with El Blanco? These decisions, some of them are out of my hands. I can only make suggestions. I don't get the final vote, but uh, that sounds like fun. And I'd love to go back to perfection any day of the week. Yeah. 
so thank uh, you. This has been a real pleasure. <laughs> it was super fun. Uh, do you have anything? Do you have anything last to say that I probably missed? That I uh, well, we talked about Burt Gummer for president. The only other thing, a very very different sort of thing. On November 8th, I have a Christmas movie coming out. It's called A Ring for Christmas on UPTV. And, uh, you know, one of those many Christmas movies that came out. Again, I made this before the COVID days. So uh, I've had little, I have some, uh, I have some, some pending things to do. And if COVID settles down a little bit, I might be able to do some other work. But right now, so it's 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 this uh, tremors coming out, of course, and uh, uh, Shrieker Island and uh, a ring, a ring for Christmas, a ring for Christmas. which I pay a, a, a dad to an, a lovely young lady who's trying were to you just in a uh, were you just in a Christmas movie? Uh, Noel was it? Noel oh, yes, yes, it was uh, for Disney, uh, Disney Plus. Yes, Disney with, Plus. With Anna... that, what's up with you, Trimmers? You see the, the desert of Christmas with you. Yeah, <laughs> sure. yeah. Anna, Anna Kendrick was in that great, uh, oh, great yeah. uh, Anna Kendrick, uh, uh, Bill Heater, Bill Heater. Um, uh, Bill, if I got that name right, yeah, right. Man, uh, I think he might be Bill Header. Oh, yeah, Bill Header, right. Uh, so... Shirley McLean, a wonderful cast. So, yeah, and that was done, again, Small World, that was directed and written by uh, a former writer from Family Ties. Wow. Uh, yeah, so stay friends with, uh, you know. <laughs> Everything just kind of comes full circle, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Well, I, I, I very appreciated having you on, talking about Tremors. I love the franchise. I love the series. I love everything about it. And I really hope we get to see a Tremors 8, despite the ending for 7. I really hope we push it through. So sales matters. Guys, if you're listening to this, and for some reason you still haven't seen Tremors 7, go watch Tremors 7. Go buy Tremors 7. It's everywhere. It's free. If you have Netflix, you can watch it on Netflix. It all yeah. calculates in. You know what I mean? Thank you so much for your time. Stay safe. Stay well. Many blessings to you. Many blessings. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead and join this thing, I guess. Okay. <clears throat> it's actually recording already so let's do this i'm gonna uh hello welcome to opinions and beer i'm sure you just heard our interview with michael gross for that interview we have now got to get to the beer of the day and today's beer of the day is Peanut Butter versus Jelly Porter by Ingenious Brewing Company. This bad boy right here is 8.2% in alcohol by volume, conditioned on peanut butter, grape jelly, blueberry jelly, and strawberry jelly for dominance of this ultimate porter. 8.2% Ingenious Brewing Company. We have, we have quite a bit of fun 
with the ingenious brewing company beers. Um, they're usually really good. Can't wait to try. Ooh, it smells like grape jelly. Hardcore. Let's see. Let's pour this beer. Pours a very dark, dark color. You can see I have my ingenious glass that my wife bought. Woo! <laughs> uh. It looks really good. Looks good. Um. Oh, you can get the peanut butter. You can get the grape. The, the grape jelly is coming through smell-wise a lot more than the other jelly flavors. And then the peanut butter is it follows right right afterwards. So that's that's pretty cool. Uh, anyways, um, am I lagging? What the hell is going on? <clears throat> anyways, I'm going to try this beer. Okay. Peanut butter's good. Now this beer's been sitting for a minute. We had I tried this I tried this beer <clears throat> I tried this beer as soon as I bought it. Okay. So I've had this beer actually when I bought this beer because I was I was too I don't know when I was going to get to review it. I didn't want to sit in the fridge. I wanted to have it as fresh as possible. Um, the jelly came through better then. Currently, after a few months of, um, I bought this back in August, I think. So three months of sitting in the fridge, the peanut butter is now the taste that has taken over. There's actually not as much jelly as when I first tried it three months ago. Not to say the jelly isn't there. Strangely enough, I said the uh, it's like a it's like a mix of all the it's like a mix of all the jellies is what I'm tasting. The where originally I think yeah the smell the grapes coming through taste wise it's a battle of supremacy for who's the for as far as jelly goes it's it's a battle it's a battle in my mouth. I don't know which jelly is jelly. Which jelly is gelling with my taste buds? It's a solid beer, though. Solid beer. I think I'm going to give that beer. That's a, it, it, it's really tasty. It's really tasty. The jelly is a little too um, hidden, especially since we've had great PB&J beers now on the show from like Struggle Street Brewing Company. Uh, they make solid PB&J beers. Um, I give those like a nine. So I'm going to give this one an 8.2 just because the jelly is like even though I tasted it when I first had it, it's not coming through on the review, and therefore an eight point two for PB versus Jelly by Ingenious Brewing Company. 
Do you agree that you like our interview? If not, well, that's just your opinion. And that's fine. Because all we have here are opinions and beer. We are opinions and beer. To the right.